fresh, right? It's really fresh. And so this psalm, we're going to look at Psalm 27. This psalm really got me through this season. And, you know, I realize it has very little, seems like it has very little to do with what we just talked about last night. And it could seem like it's so unrelated to your theme, restoration. But I guarantee it's going to make sense. I hope, right? God will make it make sense. But I'm, I'm always about, hey, if my heart is stirred in this way, I'm just going to bring it. Okay? And so Psalm 27 I love the Psalms, just as a worshiper and as a child of God. It's just so real. Makes me feel not crazy. Like there are people out there who felt the same thing, right? And there are people who loved God. Um, Psalm 27. Um, I don't know how you do this at your church, but because it is morning and some of you look a little tired, I am going to ask you to stand with me as we read this together. It's a little long, that's why. And I'm going to read the whole thing because it's just too good. Um, Let me pray for us before you read it. Jesus, we thank you for your sweet presence this morning. We thank you that you are stirring in this place a very true hunger and a thirst for you. And I know that you never disappoint. And so, God, won't you look upon the desire of our hearts that say that we want more of you. And I pray that you would come and that you would speak and that you would heal, that you would comfort, that you would strengthen. And we just lay our lives, our our broken hearts, our tired hearts, Um, our dry hearts we leave that before your throne this morning we ask that you would speak right into the places where we need it we love you jesus and we pray all these things in your name amen psalm 27 of david the lord is my light and my salvation whom shall i fear The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have I asked of the Lord That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. 
For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord, he will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Sorry, I'm just... I cry every time I read this because it's just, it's really fresh. It's a beautiful, beautiful psalm. And when when you first read this psalm, you might think that David is just being like, God, I am suffering so much. Please help me. Why are you not helping me? When you first read it, it seems like that it that is what David is saying. But actually, as I meditate on, and I really meditated on this, and I'll share a little bit later on in the message, but I was in a point where I was in my bed for days, for weeks. I did not leave my house. And so I had nothing to do but meditate on this psalm. And as I meditated on this, you know, I went through a, uh, like a like a roller coaster of emotions. There were times where I was just angry as I was meditating on it. Did you know you could actually get angry when you're meditating on the Word of God because it stirs something in you? And then I was like really sad for myself. Have you ever felt that? Like, oh my life. And then, and then I felt the Lord do something altogether different. And that's when I realized the psalm seems a little bit bipolar. Like, a lot of the psalms seem like that. Like, woe is me. Bless the Lord, right? But to me, it's, it, this psalm flows really well. And I'm just, but you got to pick out the heart of the psalm. Then everything makes sense. And so I'm just going to tell you the heart of this psalm. And if I'm wrong, you can tell me later. But to me, the heart of this psalm, this prayer, this desperate prayer is verse 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. That's the heart of the psalm. When you read it, you're like, this psalm has nothing to do with the beauty of God. It does. And I'm just going to take you on a very short journey of how David must have arrived at this point. I love this because... When I read this, I'm reminded that David was very human. And because David is so human and he's so real about his struggles, when he arrives to a point that says, bless the Lord, oh my soul, I'm also there with him. Right? Because if you see someone who's just like, so holy. That's one of the things my sister always says to me. She's like, un- she's like you wouldn't understand. You're like a holy woman. That she does not mean that as a compliment. She, she means that as I cannot relate with you. It's, it's bad, right? But when you see someone like holy and they're like praising, you're like, I don't understand that. I can't be there. I do not have the capacity to be there. But when you see David, he got depressed. He was angry. He asked God to take revenge for him sometimes. And then he arrives to a place where he says, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. That I can relate to. That's why I love the Psalms. And what I see is, Even though David was chosen, and even though David was the favored one, even though David was called the man after God's own heart, he knew suffering. 
And that's really important for the church to understand today, I believe, especially when I look at my youth kids. Because somehow along the way, we've been taught that if you follow after Jesus, nothing truly, truly, truly bad will happen to you. Maybe a little bit bad, because that's life. But if you really pursue God, nothing terrible. Like, you won't lose too much. Don't worry. But when I see David and when I see the rest of Scripture, that is not what God teaches. In fact, sometimes I have to say, experience tells me that it could be the other way around. The more I pursue after God, it seems like even more terrible things happen to me. Does anyone else feel like that? Right? Yes. As soon as I'm like all ready to run after the Lord, something comes and hits me and knocks me over. Just because you follow the Lord does not mean things don't happen. And so David, he goes through it. He, he went through suffering before he became king, when he was a young king, and when he was an older king. He even had his own son rise up against him. That's terrible, right? He, he's, had, he's had many people after his life. That's how terrible it was. And so he says words like this in verse, um, in early on in the psalm, when the wicked advanced against me to devour me, when it, though an army besieged me, though war break out against me in the trouble, when my enemies surround me, he's saying he will keep me safe. He says, when, then my head will be exalted above my enemies who surround me. David is not saying, I will sing my praises to the Lord after my enemies have been scattered. He's saying, in the presence of my enemies, you prepare a table before me. Psalm 23. It does not say, after my enemies have been defeated and they've been scattered and killed, then you prepare a table before me. He says, in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table before me in the middle of it. Where does David get that kind of courage? Where does he get this kind of confidence where in the eye of the storm, in the middle of the suffering, he says, I will sing and make music to the Lord in his tent. Where does that come from? It comes from the promise. David says this, in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. Now, a lot of us, we might read that and say, oh, Romans 8, 28, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Nothing bad will happen to me. He will keep me safe from the trouble. But David is saying, no, he will keep me safe in the middle of the trouble. What is this thing that God is keeping safe? It's not his, his um, safety because people are after David. It's not his safety. It's not even his sanity sometimes. It's not even his emotions. What David is saying is in the middle of the storm, what God keeps safe is the one thing in my life that actually matters. The one thing that is the most important to me that God keeps safe. What is that? That's verse 4. It's, he says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. It's not his health. It's not his wealth. It's not his success as a king. It's not the favor of the people or approval of the people. Those things are good. But David knows 
that even if the rest of the world craves after those things, he has already tasted something different, something far better than that. And David has basically cultivated in his life a heart that loves and treasures and longs after the one thing that matters, and that's God himself. Amen? That's his heart. That is why in the middle of all of this, David has the courage and the confidence to say, I'm going to walk into the temple, the tent of the Lord, and I will sing, and I will lift up music, and I will lift up praise. That's, that's worship. That's true worship. It makes me think of this story. Um, maybe you guys already know this. The story of the hymn, It Is Well. Right? If you don't know, I'm just going to share it. It was written by a man named Horatio Spafford. He was a successful lawyer and a businessman in Chicago. He had a lovely wife, it says, right? Anna, he had five kids. In 1871, that family went through a hard time. Their youngest son died of pneumonia, and in that same year, they lost their business to a fire. Two years later, the business was up again, and the family decided to make a trip to Europe. Except Horatio Spafford sent his wife and his four daughters ahead on a ship. And he said, I'll join you later. I have some business to attend to. Four days into the journey, the ship collides with the bigger ship, and they, they go down. The four daughters die. The wife alone survives. She sends a message once they hit land. She sends a message to her husband saying, saved alone, what shall I do? And so Spafford, of course, gets on the first ship available, and he goes toward Europe to meet his grieving wife. Four days into the journey, the captain calls Spafford over to tell him, hey, right now, we are right above where your daughters died. And it is said that at that point, Spafford started to write this song. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That's what he writes as he's above that same spot where his daughters went down. It makes you think, what drives a man to write such words in place of such grief? And I thought about it. Either this man is really stupid and does not understand the depth and the width, the gravity of what he's just lost, or, or there's something deep within him that is so much stronger and more everlasting and more real than the sum of everything he just lost. It's that. 
I believe I wasn't there, but if I if I had to guess in that moment, because he was so broken by the power and the help of the spirit, he drew out the thing that he had cultivated in his heart. And what is that love for God himself? It seems crazy. What man sings a song over the place where his four daughters just died? This is a man who has cultivated a love for God himself. It is well with my soul. As your church prepares to step forward as a new church, I pray that what would be cultivated in this place is that kind of love for the Lord. Because hard times will come. I said it. Right? You guys might fight a little. That's okay. Right? You guys might even lose members. That's okay. What will keep you going is if every person in here runs hard after the heart of God. It's not your skill set. It's not your willpower. It's not even your giftings. It's going to be how much do you love Jesus? And this is something that I learned in a really, really hard way this past summer. Um, I'm only sharing this because one thing that God's been teaching me is in a true faith community, there's got to be vulnerability. I believe Pastor Lisa spoke on that, right? Vulnerability. And, you know, I told you last night that in the summer, my youngest sister got married. And to be honest, my, my, I actually had to preside a wedding of one of my students, right? That was like maybe the lowest point of my life and the highest. Because I'm like, this is the one time I get to ordain or like preside a wedding. Um, but as the date drew near to my sister's wedding, I heard that my middle sister, who was very single with me, left the club and that she had found a boyfriend. And honestly, and I'm just going to be really honest, I care so much about what people think. And I was imagining we have a huge family on both sides. And my, our church is pretty big. And so my thinking is, oh, my gosh, people are just going to feel really sorry for me. They're going to think, what's wrong with your oldest daughter? That she doesn't even have a guy. She's like very far from being married. What's wrong with her? And I was just so afraid to face that. And once I recognized it, I began to like push it under. Right? I'm usually in touch with my feelings. But I think this one was just a little bit too much. So I was like, I'm fine. Right? I'm confident in the Lord. Right? Jesus is all I need. It's true. Jesus is all I need. But at that time, it was just lip service because I needed to get by. And then as the day drew near, you know, she asked me to be the maid of honor. I was like, I guess so. <laughs> she asked me to sing. I was like, I guess so. <laughs> Can you plan my bridal shower? I guess so. <laughs> and by God's grace, I actually did all of that with a lot of joy. But, you know, you can actually battle within yourself like every second. That was me for months. And about, mm, so she got married mid-July. I'm telling you a lot about myself and my family. Mid-July. Right around beginning of June, I noticed that my skin was starting to break out. You don't think it's that serious. I'm going to tell you. I've always had a little bit of skin issues, but nothing that bad. But it was bad. 
And I'm already a Sephora girl, so like I was like, no problem. Just go to Sephora and buy like half the counter. It'll be fine. It just got worse and worse. And by the time it was end of June, and if you think I'm lying, just ask Tina. She never said it to my face, but I know it was bad, right? It was, and the funny thing is the location of it. It was like right here. What I do for a living, like my job as a pastor is to preach and then I sing. And then I talk to people. Like it requires a lot of like face-to-face time, requires the moving of the lips, the mouth. But because it was right here, I'm not even, I have a high tolerance of pain, but I could not eat. Like I couldn't open my mouth to put like a chopsticks or spoon or a fork. It was so painful. So beyond the embarrassment of like what, how it looked, it was painful to eat. It was painful to sing. It was painful to preach. And I just started getting really depressed. And it was to the point where I, I couldn't wash my face. Like I couldn't like, I couldn't wash my face. I had to like just splash water. And I'm like, this is definitely making it worse because I can't wash my face. I don't know what to do. So I did what a lot of, Asian people do. I went to the acupuncturist and he gave me acupuncture that really hurt, like in places that really, really hurt. And he gave me like the Chinese like liquid medicine. And I did it diligently because when you're desperate, you will do it diligently. I took it to my youth group retreat. I asked for my own room. I brought my own refrigerator because it has to be refrigerated. I mean, I went through a lot. And by the end of that week, it was worse. At the, I love being with my kids, but during the retreat, I didn't even talk to them. I ran to my room, my dark room, and I just sat there. I hated light. I hated light. So to be honest, when I saw this, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, these spotlights are just a little bit bright. But Jesus has healed me, so it's okay. You can keep the lights on. But even now, I think I'm so scarred from the few months. When I see light or windows, my instinct is to just turn away. Just to turn away. And I just, I am a very responsible person. I stopped going to my staff meetings. My dad is my boss. And I just told him straight up, I'm not going. (laughs) Sometimes I didn't even tell him. I just hid in my room. I closed all the shades, left the lights off, and I just sat there. I couldn't even look at my phone because, you know, when the screen goes blank, black, you can kind of see your reflection. Even that freaked me out. So I couldn't even look at my phone. And to the point where I began to think, oh, my goodness, I can now understand why people get depressed. I was depressed. I did not enjoy what I used to enjoy. I wasn't living. And that went on for a good month and a half. And this is why you need a good spiritual friend. Tina over here over here. She's so mean. She'd be like, Esther, uh, let's meet up. I'd be like, no, thanks. (laughs) I'm busy being at home. And she just would not give up on me. So annoying sometimes. Like, I just want to be left alone in the darkness. I don't want people to see my face. And as much as I feel close to Tina, I didn't even want her to see my face. But she was relentless. I believe at that time that it was just God after my heart. And there was this one time where, you know, Tina, Tina invited me to her apartment. 
and I mustered up all my strength. Guys, I cannot even tell you, begin to tell you the struggle it was for me to go from my room to like downstairs, from downstairs to my garage, from my garage into my car and outside my garage. Like that was so, it took a lot of effort. And on the way there, I was just flooded with so much anxiety because if you've ever been to DK and Tina's apartment, the whole side of their living room is just windows. And it was a pretty sunny day. Like, God is such a troll. I was like, oh, my gosh. And my heart, like, I don't, I don't suffer from anxiety very much. It's not my thing. It's not one of my weaknesses. I have other things. But my heart was like, I was literally shaking. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I should have worn a hat or hat wouldn't hide it anyways. I walked in. And uh, I walked in and. Like, they had bought, they bought curtains. They did not have curtains before. I walked in, and the whole, like, wall, the area was covered in curtain. And I knew, I, she did not say it, I did not say it, but I knew in my heart that she had closed, I don't know if they bought that curtain for me, but I like to think that they did it for me. <laughs> so let's just let me live in that, right? But I like to believe that, you know, she bought the curtains, closed it, and invited me over so that I would feel safe. And there she prayed for me. This is why you need spiritual friends. Because there are times where you cannot stand up yourself. And you need those faithful, annoyingly faithful spiritual friends to get you out of the cave and into the light. And that's when I started to like actually read scripture. To be, before then, I just, I just laid there thinking, maybe I should just die. Like, it's not like I'm going to get married. I'm pretty satisfied with what I did with ministry so far. It's okay. But she just pulled me out of that. God pulled me out of that. And that's when he directed me to Psalm 27. And I was just meditating on this. And at the same time, I finally mustered up some courage to open my laptop. And I went to my favorite place, YouTube. And I went to... <laughs> Was that funny? I don't know. I didn't think that was funny, but <laughs> I'm a worship pastor. For, I, like, I have to learn new songs. And so I looked up um, live worship services. I love live worship services. There's something really anointed about that. And I came across Jen Johnson. And to be honest, she's not one of my faves anymore. But she was singing a song that I had never heard before. And it was, it was very simple. Like a lot of songs these days are really loud. But it was such a simple song. And just let me uh, read this for you. It's, uh, the lyrics go like this. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. And all my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Those are good Christian lyrics. <laughs> And then it took me to the second verse. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. In darkest nights, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father, and I've known you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness of God. That pierced my heart. 
when you're in such darkness, even like a tiny ray of light is like blinding. And that took me to Psalm 27, 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, this do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. And David's cry is just for more of God. He's just desiring for more of him. He's not really necessarily asking for relief. He's not even asking for things to happen to his enemy. He's just asking for more of God. And what you sense over and over again in David's writings is his desperation and his hunger for the presence of God. And there's a reason why when we hear this, when we read this, when we sing this, something is stirred up deep within us. It's because we were created for this. We weren't created necessarily for the institution of the church per se, although you do need to go to church. In the end, what we were created for was communion with the living God. And so when you feel this affection rising in you for God, don't dismiss it as emotion. That's the spirit in you responding to the spirit of God. This is the very thing you and I have been created for. And so this is what the church needs more of. What the church needs more of are people who recognize the beauty and the worth and the glory, the treasure that is Jesus Christ, and people who will give all that they are to know more of this God. That's what the world needs to see. The world does not need to see better bands. There's so many talented bands outside the church. The world does not even need to see eloquent speakers. Why? Because there are great motivational speakers out there. What the world really needs to see are, is a church that has been set ablaze by the Spirit of God. And what rises in them is this hunger, this affection, this obsession for God. When the world sees that, they're going to ask themselves, what is this? I pray that in your mercy, you would be filled with that. That's a prayer I have for myself. That when someone enters into new mercy, whether you are in Edgewater, whether you are in Paramus, whether you're in Englewood, I don't know where you will be. That when people walk in, something will be awakened in them because they are in the presence of people who are in pursuit of God. And this is important for all of us, but especially for you at this season, because you will get tired at times, right? Lugging equipment, as you've been doing for the past five years, is tiring enough. But imagine when you don't know where you're going to be. Imagine if you start losing volunteers because they've left the church. What if you're just so tired because you guys can't agree on something? When you're that tired, what you're going to need is supernatural joy, and where does that supernatural joy come from is when together you are seeking and loving on the Lord. That's where the joy comes from. It's not from success. It comes from being totally satisfied in Christ Jesus. Guarantee you're going to need that joy. And I pray that that joy would fill you. You know that song, um, Holy Spirit come, Holy Spirit something, fill this church with joy overflowing, with love overflowing, with peace overflowing, Spirit come. That's been on my heart this whole all this week as I've been praying for you, that, that, that the Spirit of God would come and fill you with joy. Joy. So I challenge you and I encourage you, cultivate that heart like David did. It doesn't happen overnight. 
It happens over a long period of time. Faithfulness, sowing into things when you don't feel like it. Sowing into the spirit, right? Sowing, that's been on my heart lately. Sowing into the spirit. It's very hard to do sometimes because you're so tired. You're so discouraged. Sow into the spirit. When you don't feel like reading the word, read the word. Not just for yourself, but because the world needs you to, right? Cultivate that heart. And when you spend time with Jesus, there are things that you do. You're very open and vulnerable before him. I was really, I, it took a lot out of me to tell God, you know, God, I'm feeling a little bit pitiful. Like, here I am about to, like, stand at my youngest sister's wedding, very, very single, looking like this. Oh, by, by, the, by the time the wedding came, it was even worse. I'm just letting you know. It was so bad. Like, and it was a very, very sunny day. It was an outdoor wedding. <laughs> I told God, wow, you must, you must really want me to do something great in the future because this training is, like, intense. <laughs> I was like, if I got through this, I can get through anything, God, right? But you got to be vulnerable before him. Like, don't hide. God already knows. I realize God already knows. He already knew that's how I was feeling before I even realized it. But when I come before the Lord and I tell him this is how I'm feeling, it's almost like uh, like opening the room to, to opening the door to these other rooms and being like, Jesus, come and be Lord over this too. It's inviting, it's inviting myself actually into a more intimate relationship with him and so when you spend time with the lord you cultivate that by being honest with him and then you allow the, you allow the lord to speak into that and sometimes it comes through like just the the weakest of impressions but when you do act upon it that's 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 how you grow in the lord when you feel the lord leading you to something act upon it right there Right there. And then as you do that, there's a, there's a back and forth that happens between you and Jesus. And there, before you know it, you're like right before the throne of the king. That's how you cultivate it. Spend time with God in the word. Also cultivate that with other spiritual friends. If I don't meet up with... Tina is, is like a sister to me, right? I was telling someone I relinquished my my right as her soulmate when they got married <laughs> but in my heart i'm like she's still my soulmate right so i don't need to like see her all the time <laughs> to be honest she's always on my mind but i don't really need to see her every day because when i do see her there's a lot that just happens right and so how do you also cultivate that with the lord is with other people who love the lord you need that right so go deeper in your conversations testimony right you know, um, I think in your community time, community month, you guys have like testimonies. Why not testimonies every time you talk? This is what the Lord is doing. If you don't have a testimony, then there's something wrong, right? So you always share your testimony with your spiritual friends. There's a, there's a sp stirring of something that happens when you gather together like this. There are other ways, so many ways you could cultivate that heart of affection for the Lord. And I'm going to end with this. Um, I'm not so much of a nerd, but this one quote I love. And this is what A.W. Tozer wrote. He said, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. As you embark on this new journey, you want unity. 
How are you going to get that unity? It's not from a lot of meetings. It's from each and every person in this church equally pursuing after God, being in tune with Jesus. And then what comes out of that is the fruit of unity, among other things. The fruit of unity. And so let's just ask the Lord, stir in us a greater love and a greater affection for you, right? Jesus is the one thing that, that's, that's the greatest gift of 2018 for me. You know, praise God, um, there's a dermatologist in my church, and I don't like to ask for free things. It just makes me feel bad. But, uh, I mean, you can't hide this. Like, it was so obvious. And word got around. And um, I, he, he invited me to his office. <laughs> And he's like, don't wear any makeup. I'm like, are you kidding? That's never going to happen. So I went on with full makeup. And he treated me. He's still treating me, actually. Uh, He put me on, like, a a really intense round of antibiotics. And literally, it went away in, like, two weeks after my sister's wedding. So it makes me think, like, Jesus, you didn't just allow me to go through that. I really believe you made me go through that. (laughs) Right? But I don't... I, I'm, not, I'm not resentful because what I gained from that was just a deeper hunger for God himself. Who doesn't want that? And because of that, what I'm doing now is just an overflow. Everything. I pray that that's what you would have in your own life. An overflow. Overflow of strength. Overflow of joy. An overflow of peace. An overflow of love unto the Lord and unto each other. And so this morning, we're just going to um, seek the Lord. Can we do that? We're going to ask the Lord to stir in our hearts a greater love um, for him. And, you know, the the way I pray the best, honestly, um, is I worship. Again, I told you that's how I, that's how I, um, that's how I really encountered the Lord. And so we're just going to spend time in worship. And I'm going to invite you to seek the Lord. And I'm also going to invite you to take a posture physically if you're having a hard time seeking him. You know, for me, when I don't, remember I talked about in the beginning, sometimes when it's hard to praise, you just like muster up that tiny little hallelujah. And sometimes even that doesn't happen. Then you just got to take that posture. You got to get on your knees. You got to lift up your hands. You got to lift up your voice, right? Sometimes you just got to, you got to take that posture. And so I really believe the spirit, even from the beginning worship set, I could feel that the spirit was just moving in this room and just igniting a greater hunger for God. Let that happen, right? And don't be nervous. Just go for it. Seek more of him. And, you know, as you do it, recall all the scripture that you know, the truth of who God is, the beauty of who he is. And let that stir your heart even more. All right. So I'm just going to pray for us. And I might or might not go over to the keyboard and just sing. It will just be my love song for the Lord. But I pray that it also stirs in your heart. But don't be distracted by that. Just worship. Okay. And so, Jesus, we... We welcome you in this place, not because you're not already here. We're just surrendering our hearts to you now. 
And Spirit, we ask that you would give us the strength and the faith now to approach your throne with great confidence. Because Jesus, you're the one who first pursued us. You left your glories above. You came. The word became flesh. You dwelt among us. And then you gave your life on the cross so that we might have this intimacy with the Father. And so, Jesus, we don't take it lightly, but we come running. And we come hungry. We come thirsty. We come desperate for more of you. And so, Jesus, stir in all, all of our hearts now a greater hunger for you. And you know, as you pray, if you, need, if you need help praying or if you would just like to receive prayer, I believe there's a prayer team. Um, but yeah, let's just spend some time in the presence of the Lord. Jesus. One thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him. In his temple, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. We want more of you. Jesus.